We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hello, Lakers Nation. Welcome in. Trevor Lane here for LakersNation.com. You're home for everything Lakers. Solo show tonight. LakersNation.com live podcast. Just me tonight? Well, never really just me. It's me and all of you. We've got a lot to break down. We've got a trade that just went down a few hours ago in the NBA. We've got Christian Wood on the move from the Houston Rockets. A lot of Lakers fans not happy about that because the Lakers didn't get in on that deal. We'll talk a little bit about kind of the makeup of that trade, why the Lakers may not have been involved with it and what this could mean moving forward. We need to talk about LeBron James, what he was doing on social media today in terms of standing up for Anthony Davis, Russell Westbrook, the best version of him. What does that actually look like? We talked about that a little bit on social media today as well. So a lot of things to dive into. Of course, if you're joining me live, you're coming in from YouTube, from Twitter, from Facebook. I'll be taking your questions and comments. So lob those my way. And if you are listening to the podcast version of this over on Apple Podcasts, make sure you do subscribe on Apple Podcasts. Really appreciate it. If you take the 20 seconds, give us that five-star review over on Apple Podcasts and leave us something in the comment box there as well. Would really appreciate that. Let's start things off tonight with the Christian Wood trade for the from the Houston Rockets. I am still in, in disbelief. You guys know Christian Wood. This was my guy that I was hoping the Lakers would target. Um, he was actually, I was hoping they would target him back when he was with Detroit. I wanted them to swap out. As I recall at the time, it was going to be Kyle Kuzma for Christian Wood. That was my imaginary trade package that I had the Lakers coming up with at the time. This has been a guy that I thought would fit pretty well next to Anthony Davis for quite a while. And so I had him in my ideal off season. If the Lakers were going all in as somebody that the Lakers should attempt to trade for ultimately the deal that went down. Um, I was shocked. I was shocked at how little the Mavs had to pay in order to get this done. It, it's not a lot. I mean, here's the here's the trade. Shams Trania. Mavs send Boban Marjanovic, Sterling Brown, Trey Burke, and Marquise Chris in the 26th pick to the Rockets. So those are four expiring contracts. And Marquise Chris just had knee surgery. Like he's not even, he's not anywhere close to healthy. So this is really just expiring an expiring contract and the 26th pick we're not even talking about an early first or anything like that we're talking about the 26th pick in this year's draft and that was enough to get christian wood from the houston rockets i think this is an absolute steal steal for the dallas mavericks i the Rockets must have been desperate to shed salary. I've seen a lot of Rockets fans saying, yay, this gives this frees up room on our on our roster in order to uh it frees up minutes for Alperim Sengun. I look, I think Sengun is, is fantastic. I like him a lot. But just because you like a player doesn't mean you take poor value in order to free up a room for him. No, you still want to get value on your trades. You still want to figure out a way to get a solid return. And I don't think the Rockets did that here. Now you can say the expiring contracts that that does certainly help. I mean, you have future flexibility. They didn't have to absorb any future salary. Certainly, for example, anything with the Lakers, you're including Taylor Horton Tucker. He's got a player option after next season. 
maybe the Rockets just really wanted to keep their books as clean as possible. And so that's why something like this mattered. And maybe the 26 pick right now meant more to the Rockets than say the Lakers 2027 first probably would have been protected. Maybe. And again, we don't have any concrete news that the Lakers were in the mix here or the Lakers were going after Christian Wood. But my bigger picture here is that Lakers fans right now on social media have been reacting and saying, oh my gosh, why why didn't the Lakers get in on this? Why would the Lakers not? This, this is such a low price for a guy who's a, an 18 and 8 player. This is a guy who would fit well. Why would you not go after him? Fans of 28 teams around the NBA are saying the same thing right now. This is not just a Lakers thing. So while a lot of Lakers fans are reacting and saying, oh my gosh, this is evidence that our front office is the worst. It's terrible. It's already getting off to a terrible start. How could they let a trade like this go down and not get in on this? Again, fans of 28 teams around the NBA right now are saying the same thing. Why didn't we get in on this if this is all that it cost to get a player like Christian Wood? And Christian Wood is not a perfect player, but I mean, he's got his flaws. There have been concerns about the locker room. There have been some concerns about his defense. All of those things certainly matter, and those can detract from a player's value. But you would have to imagine that the rest of the NBA right now, there's at least a few teams saying we could have beat that offer because that is an absolute steal for the Dallas Mavericks. Tony PR says, so did Houston value that? Uh, so did Houston value for the 26 pick that important? So did they value it that much? Does that mean getting a second round pick is going to cost more than 4 million? Such a weird trade. See, here's the thing. This is, there's a couple ways you can look at this. You either that could be positive or negative for the Lakers. You either look at this trade and you say, oh no, oh no. If a late first round pick yields Christian Wood, how are the Lakers ever going to be able to buy a second round pick? How? That's not that's not possible if it takes Christian Wood to get a late first, a second rounder, it's going to cost a lot more than the $4 bucks that the Lakers have to spend. On the flip side, you can say, oh yes, this is fantastic. If all it costs to get a player the caliber of Christian Wood is what the Mavs gave up, the Lakers, THT, Russell Westbrook's expiring contract, they're in business. Let's go shopping and let's go find a deal. So again, two ways to look at this, because again, most, I think, unless I've seen Rockets fans trying to defend the deal, but most say the Rockets say the, the Rockets got fleeced in this trade. I am of that opinion. I think the Mavs got an absolute steal here. Um, great replacement for the size of Kristaps Porzingis at a I mean, they gave up no rotation. It's essentially just for the 26th pick. That's all it cost them to get Christian Wood, which again is, is mind-blowing. But I look at this trade, and it is so skewed in my mind. I don't think this trade sets the market. So I don't think it's either of those things. I don't think it's either talent is going to be cheap to acquire or draft picks are super expensive. I don't think we go in either direction. I don't think this does anything to the market because I think this is going to be looked at as the outlier trade. That's that's my guess as far as how the market gets set. Sometimes we see this where moves get made, a free agent gets signed at a particular position, and that sets the market for everybody else that plays that position in free agency. That happens. Same thing happens on the trade front. But I don't think this trade is going to do that because, again, the general perception is that the Mavs got a steal here and that the Rockets didn't get as much value as they could have. So I think a lot of teams are going to look at it through that lens, that this wasn't really like a well-negotiated trade and is probably not going to be a typical trade here this offseason. Don't get me wrong. I hope I hope the Lakers can find a way to get some bargains as well, but I'm not expecting this trade to set the market. Now, could this still be an okay trade for the Rockets? Sure. Look, if if the future flexibility winds up turning into something good, if freeing up the minutes for Alper and Sengun winds up being a big deal for them, if Christian Wood has all kinds of locker room problems in Dallas and the and the and uh, the defensive issues become a problem again, and and it just doesn't work, the Rockets can look and say, "Yeah, see, that's why. That's why we were okay with with trading." If the twenty six pick turns into something great, you never know. Jimmy Butler was end of the first round. Like you never know with these with these draft picks, the Rockets can still come out okay. But the optics of this right now at this moment are that the Mavs got a steal. And Lakers fans, I understand a lot of you saying, "Why didn't the Lakers get in on this?" But remember, twenty eight teams have their fan bases right now 
asking the same thing. Why didn't our team get in on this? Why didn't our team go get a guy like Christian Wood if that is the cost? Now, big picture, if we pan back, I also want to add in this. The finals are still happening. This is not normal. Typically, what happens during the NBA finals is we get radio silence. You get a few rumors here and there, a few little things, but after the finals end, which hopefully they end tomorrow night, fingers crossed, um, tonight, if you're listening to the podcast version of this on Thursday, whenever the finals end, though, it's going to be like the damn bursts. We're going to get hit by all kinds of trade rumors. We're going to be hit by all kinds of different draft rumors, free agency. It's going to it's going to be massive. It's going to be almost too much to take it all in, right? There's going to be a lot going on. Typically during the finals, though, it's fairly quiet. We've heard a few little things here and there. You know, the Hawks are working on some trades or talking about some things. The Pacers might be interested in moving some guys. Malcolm Brogdon, Miles Turner. You know, nothing super concrete, though. It's certainly not trades actually getting done because the NBA wants to focus on the finals. They don't want to focus on everything else that's going on. Let's face it. Like, imagine, pretend the Lakers made the Christian Wood trade and it got out right before game six. What happens? All the attention goes away from game six of the finals. Lakers fans certainly wouldn't be paying attention to game six of the finals. We would all be talking about Christian Wood, breaking down how he fits with Anthony Davis, all of that. That would be the discussion that would be dominating things right now. The NBA doesn't want that. They want the focus on the finals. So typically during the finals, leaks and stuff like that, it, it gets fairly slow. You get little bits, but then once the finals end, that's when everything bursts and you get a lot of info. So it's interesting that this came out now while the finals are, finals are still going on, that not only is a trade being discussed, but it's happening. Now, technically, this trade can't be done until the actual draft because what the Mavs are going to do is they're going to make the 26th pick, and then as soon as that pick turns into a player, they can trade it. Um, they would fall under the stepping rule because their 2023 pick, I believe, is going elsewhere. So because of that, they have to kind of you know, play the game and draft the player themselves and then trade that player as soon as they're no longer a pick and it's a player instead. So that's what you're going to see happen logistically and how it all goes down. So the trade is not officially done as of this moment, but it will get done on draft night and Christian Wood will join the Dallas Mavericks. And I think he's a great fit there. And once again, understand why some Lakers fans are upset with, um, with their front office right now for not getting in on this deal. Again, there's going to be other moves, other moves the Lakers can make. Maybe they had some reasons why they weren't all in on Christian Wood. Maybe the Rockets just prioritized expiring contracts and a draft pick that was nearer than what the Lakers' best offer would be, which would be the Lake would be Taylor Horton Tucker in a first. But again, this is, I think, a great, great deal for the Mavs. And I think it was a um not enough value for the Houston Rockets. Defensively. He's not a stopper there, but still, yeah, not, not a bad deal for the Dallas Mavericks. All right, let's talk a little bit about LeBron James. And again, I'm going to take some of your questions. All right, let's get into this one. Uh, Ice Cold Matt said, Trevor, Miles Turner, is he attainable? Sure. Yeah, look, he's going to be, he's going to be on the market. Uh, but. Will the Lakers be able to get him? $18 million in salary. So getting there. So that this was part of the reason why in a lot of my ideal off seasons, I went towards Christian Wood instead of Miles Turner because Christian Wood, 13 million salary, Miles Turner, 18 million. For a Lakers team that doesn't have a lot of guys, easier, easier to get to that 13 million uh, when you're stacking up like Taylor Horton Tucker and other stuff. But you can get there. You could find a deal for Miles Turner. I think the Pacers will be really willing to move him. The question is, what is it that they're going to want? And is there going to be a Lakers tax involved in this situation, right? Are they going to make the Lakers pay more because it's the Lakers? Let's face it. We see deals go down around the NBA and we go, oh, wow, that's a bargain. The Clippers, they got Norman Powell and Robert Covington for cap space, right? <laughs> they, 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 the, the Blazers just, just said, here's two really good players. Go ahead, take them. We don't want, we don't want them anymore. And the Clippers said, thank you. 
The Lakers don't seem to get deals like that, at least not in the not since what? How? That was probably the last deal where you went, wow, the Lakers really pulled off a great, great move. The Lakers don't tend to get those moves. I think part of that is just because they have a history of success and teams don't want to be the one to give the Lakers any kind of, of help. So that's certainly, I think, part of it. But could they get in on Miles Turner? They could. I don't think the Pacers want to give the Lakers any kind of a deal after the way things went down with the Paul George negotiations a few years ago and all, all of that. That said, I wouldn't count the Lakers out. I think the question is, do they want to spend their assets on a big? Is that where they really want to allocate their resources is on a big? And it may be the answer is yes, because the wing market might just be so shallow that it that is ultimately where they land. But I think it's something to consider there. Is that really where you want to put your assets? And that's maybe the answer is yes. And if it is, you're talking Taylor Horton Tucker, Kendrick Nunn. Maybe you stack up another salary in there. Future first. That's what you're going to be looking at. Other teams will be after him. The Charlotte Hornets already in the mix for Miles Turner. The Toronto Raptors. Those are teams that seem to have more of a need at the center position that I probably would imagine are going to pay more than what the Lakers could. But I like it. I like if the Lakers walk away with Miles Turner, I'd be pretty happy with that. I think it would make some sense, particularly since the Lakers need some guys who can shoot from deep. Miles Turner can, in theory, do that. He's not a sniper, but he can do that. Stretch the floor a little bit for you, give you that rim protection, pull an opposing big away from the basket. That's what you want with that four out, one in offense that uh, our guy Darvin Ham is going to be running. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Brandon Robinson said, I think if we get rid of Russ, we keep THT. I think people are overlooking the possibility that he could have somewhat of a breakout year. I think last year could have been a sophomore slump. Uh, thank you, Brandon. Appreciate the super chat. Yeah, I am in agreement. And I've been saying this for a bit. I'm only moving THT in two scenarios. One of them is if you keep Russell Westbrook, I'm probably moving THT. So I don't think the two work well together. And I think you are devaluing Taylor Horton Tucker by asking him to play alongside Russell Westbrook. It just, it doesn't work well. It puts him in tough spots. It gives him no room to operate. It's not good. It's not good. So that's one scenario. The other scenario is if you just get blown away by a, a trade offer. If there's something on the table where you just say, we can't walk away from this. Something great is sitting right there. Then of course you take it. Otherwise, I think most likely the Lakers are in a scenario with Taylor Horton Tucker where value-wise, he's probably at the low point right now. Taylor, Taylor Horton Tucker is. Didn't have a great season last year. Tore the ligament in the thumb of his shooting hand and had the worst three-point shooting season of his career. Only three years in his career, so small sample size, but still tore the ligament in the thumb of his shooting hand, has the worst three-point shooting season when everybody's been saying offensively he needs to be able to hit the three. That's the key to unlocking his game is the jump shot coming around. And so far, it hasn't. So if you are still a believer in Taylor Horton Tucker, who again, is just 21 years old, and you think the shot is going to come around, which I think the Lakers are in that boat, they believe in him, it makes sense to hang on to him. Now, I'm not going to say it was def definitely a sophomore slump. I think it was a lot of things that contributed to Taylor Horton Tucker's lack of success. We've also seen that he can be good. Um, had a 40-point game near the end of the season there. Now, that was when the Stars were out and he got to shoot as much as he wanted, but still, he's got talent. And I think 
that right now the Lakers are in a position where if they want to make a move, he's one of the only salaries on the books, aside from Russ, that's movable, that can bring back any kind of pieces, right? Think about when the Lakers made the Russell Westbrook trade. You had Contavious Caldwell-Pope at 13 or so million. You had KCP or uh, Kyle Kuzma at 13 million. You had Trez at about 10 million. All of these like 10-ish million dollar contracts, they're very easy to stack up into a trade and make something happen. Problem is the Lakers burned almost all of theirs in the Westbrook trade. So Taylor Horton Tucker is really the last man standing that has that 10-ish million dollar contract that teams tend to need for trade purposes. So because of that, just logistically, I think he's going to be in a lot of trade talks. But in terms of value, I think you're right. You can probably do better uh, with the THT trade in the future. And it probably wouldn't hurt to see what does he look like when Russ is not there. If Russell Westbrook gets moved, which I feel like it's more likely that Russ is going to be brought back than not, but I don't think that's a certainty by any means. I think the Lakers are going to try to move him. I just think there's some doubt into whether or not they'll be able to. But Taylor Horton Tucker bringing him back would not be the worst thing next season, particularly if Russell Westbrook is not there. I still think there's talent there and it wouldn't hurt to give him another look again because his value, I think, is fairly low around the NBA right now, probably artificially low. All right, let's get into another super chat said Ivan Z. Ivan Z says, hi, Trevor, and he's asking about Malik Monk. Um, Sorry, lost it for a second. Hi, Trevor. If Monk accepts, accepts the taxpayer... Wouldn't you just do it for keeping him as a long-term shooting guard? Acquiring bird rights for him is key. Yeah, so Ivan, if Malik Monk says, taxpayer mid-level exception, give me a one plus one second-year player option, let's go. You guys bet on me. You guys believed in me last offseason. You gave me the opportunity to prove myself. I'm going to return the favor here. I've got offers for seven, eight million, but you guys are going to use me the way I want to be used in this system. Let's go. I want to come back. From a value perspective, I think you're right. I think if you get Monk at that number, you've got a guy who has a ready-made NBA role and skill set already established at a pretty young age. There's no question. For example, for years, we said, what is Kyle Kuzma? What's his best role? I don't think, I still think we don't know. Is he best starting at the four? Is he best starting at the three? Is he best coming off the bench? Is he a scorer off the bench? Is he a versatile defender off the bench? What role do you use him in? For some players, their versatility can be a curse as much as it is a blessing. And I think for a guy like Kyle Kuzma, that's the case. Not so with Malik Monk. With Malik Monk, you know exactly what he is. On a championship caliber team, he is a sixth man scorer. That is his skill set. He will come in. He can get you buckets in a lot of ways. He can hit threes at a high percentage. He can operate out of the pick and roll. He is a microwave scorer off the bench. Best case scenario in a pinch, you can put him in the starting lineup. The defense is not great, but again, still a young player, a lot of upside. If you can get that, at a $6 million price tag, that is great value for the Lakers. So, Ivan, I agree with what you're saying there. However, if you're building out the Lakers roster, is Malik Monk's skill set the top of your priority list right now? Because it's not for me. For me, the top of my priority list, if I'm Rob Palenka, it is wings. I need big wings who can defend and switch and shoot the three. Now. That's a big ask because every team in the NBA is looking for those things right now. Everybody is looking for that. So it's not going to be easy to find that. So let's say the wings simply aren't out there. Then it becomes a question of, do you want a guard or do you want to go with a big? You get that that tax, that taxpayer mid-level, that $6 million. What are you going to spend it on? Is it going to be a guard? Is it going to be a big? I think you can make the argument for a big. But again, if Malik Monk is sitting right there telling you, I will take $6 million from you. I will take this offer and I will stick it out because you bet on me. It would be hard to say no. The only way I would say no is if like an auto Porter Jr. came along and said, hey, I'll take that and a bigger role 
then I think you have to go there because there's such a need for the wing. Otherwise, if you can get Monk for that price, I think that's a tremendous value for the Lakers and a guy that could stick with the team long-term after Russ is gone. And who knows? Again, maybe he's gone this summer. But after this current iteration of the Lakers has moved on, Malik Monk is young enough to where he can still be part of your system and be part of your future as well. So I, I do like the value there quite a bit if he's willing to do that. All right, Esham976 with a super chat. Thank you. Said, do you call up Detroit and try again to get Jeremy Grant? Pistons GM Troy Weaver said he loves trades offer THT in 2027 first for Jeremy Grant. So what we've heard, this was last trade deadline, was that the Pistons were looking for two first round picks for Jeremy Grant or the equivalent, like a young player on a rookie contract that would be the equivalent of a first round pick in value plus a first. So could you get there? Yeah, you certainly could if you're the Lakers, if the Pistons see THT as being worth a first round pick. On this contract, they might not. Remember, if THT hits this season, he opts out next summer, and then you got to pay him more to keep him. Or he walks away because he's going to be a free agent. If he doesn't hit this season, if he struggles, he opts in and you're overpaying him for a third season. Not ideal. So I think that complicates things. But if the Pistons were to look at THT and say he is the equivalent of a first round pick, you're the Lakers, you could offer a future first as well, 2027 first, and off you go. Maybe that's enough. I think there's going to be a lot of other teams, though, pursuing them. He had a he had a very robust trade market at the trade deadline, and I would expect the same thing to hold true this summer. I've talked about it a lot, but again, the wing market is so thin. And if you look at the free agent wing class, there's not much there at all. It is super, super thin. So teams are going to be trying to trade for wings. Again, this Christian Wood trade from tonight. This is why Keith Smith and I on the front office show have been saying this is going to be the summer of the trade because teams look are going to look to upgrade and they're not going to be able to do it in free agency. Those guys simply aren't on the market. So can the Lakers get into the mix on Jeremy Grant with an offer of THT in a first? Yes, but I think it's going to be a bit of a bidding war. And it wouldn't surprise me if another team came along and, and offered more. Now, that's not necessarily a terrible thing. I like Jeremy Grant, but he's already made it known that he doesn't want to be the third fiddle somewhere. Well, guess what he would be with the Lakers? Best case, he'd be third fiddle. He said he doesn't want that. And you'd be putting him in that situation. And it's already well known that Whatever team trades for him, he wants a contract extension and he wants something near max money. So you've got to be willing to not only give up stuff to get Jeremy Grant, but either you've got to give up stuff that you don't care that much about and then Detroit's not going to take the offer because he could walk away in free agency in a year, or you've got to be willing to give up the stuff that Detroit would need and thus pay Jeremy Grant to stay long-term. Because nobody wants to pay two first-round picks for a one-year rental of Jeremy Grant. Nobody's doing that. So you have to be willing to pay him what he wants for the foreseeable future, for that, what, a four-year deal. So it's complicated when we look at Jeremy Grant. And so I wouldn't be, I think he's in terms of talent, basketball fit on the court, yes. But when we think about all that context, I don't know if he's the best option for the Lakers because of all of the other stuff that I, that I just broke down there. All that stuff on the periphery, that all matters. And that's why I don't know if it's the right move for the Lakers to go get Jeremy Grant, particularly, again, what you would have to give in order to, uh, in order to get him. That's, that's quite a bit. Uh, Vector Nova says, as a fan of THT, I want him to succeed on the Lakers. I'm already tired of the trade talks. I feel like if we ship him out, it's just an added cost of the Westbrook trade. We sent out too much already. I hear you on that. I hear you on that. And thank you again for the, the super chat. An added cost of the Westbrook trade in that trading for Russ, you could say, again, we, we don't have a time machine. We don't know exactly what things would have looked like last season had the Westbrook trade not gone down. But you can imagine having Russ on the team probably stifled the development of Taylor Horton Tucker to some degree, to some degree. I mean, look, THT is at his very best when he's getting to the rim. Really tough to get to the rim when the guy you're sharing the floor with 
isn't defended behind the three-point line, so his defender is just sitting in the paint. That's tough. That's tough for, for a young guy like Taylor Horton Tucker. That's a tough spot to be in. So I understand that kind of frustration right there. And then if you ship him out and the reasoning is, well, he doesn't coexist with Russ, which is what I've been saying, it's reality. But I understand that you can look at it as an added cost of the Westbrook trade. What kind of damage did you do to the value of this player? In addition to giving up KCP, Kyle Kuzma, Montrezl Harrell, a first-round pick, and obviously those are valuable. You don't re-sign Alex Caruso. Was that in part because of Russell Westbrook's salary, which was, again, pretty pretty large? How big of a factor, how big of a domino effect was trading for Russell Westbrook? Did it cost you all of that stuff, plus Caruso's factored in, plus now Taylor Horton Tucker? It's frustrating. I understand it. It's very frustrating when you think about what the Lakers gave up. But the reality is he's on the roster now. And if the Lakers, because remember, they've got this balancing act, if they're going to convince LeBron that they've got a team that's ready to win right now, well, that's going to force their hand somewhat this summer to make some moves. And that might include some painful things. Now, trading Taylor Horton Tucker might not feel great, but it doesn't mean it's a net negative either, depending on what kind of value you get. Now, if you trade Taylor Horton Tucker and you go get, I don't know, Kelly Olenek, something like that, like, okay, he's a fine player, but obviously not a long-term, there's no upside there. He's not a long-term fit with your franchise or anything like that. Then yeah, that, that doesn't feel so great. But if the Lakers are able to, ch- to trade out Taylor Horton Tucker and you go get like Cam Reddish and then he hits next year. Okay. All right. Then, then you don't feel quite so bad about needing to make that move in order to try to make the rust fit a little bit better and, and all of that. So while I understand what you're saying about Taylor Horton Tucker and it f- not feeling good, because it feels like an added cost of the Russell Westbrook trade. A lot of it to me depends on what the return is if you do decide to move THT. But again, all of this stuff, it's all going to start picking up very, very soon. Very as soon as the finals end. Like it wouldn't shock me if we got some kind of a Woj bomb or Shams tweet or whatever while we're while we're on these shows. Like we're, we're, I'm sure some news is going to break. I need to make a breaking news. Um, drop. Yeah, I need to get one of those ready because stuff's going to happen. Things are going to happen. We're going to hear all kinds of rumors, all kinds of news. It's going to come out. Right now is kind of the quiet-ish time. It's the calm before the storm at this moment. And we just got a little kind of appetizer with this Christian Wood trade. We saw the Jermichael Green trade, which is kind of minor. Again, minor stuff starting to filter through. The dam's going to burst pretty soon, and we're going to see a lot of stuff going on involving the Lakers and Taylor Horton Tucker. Like it or not, he's going to be in the thick of it. Part of that is, is just logistics. Like I talked about before, you need his contract in order to make any kind of a move. All right. People talking about Gary Trent. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. JJ Batista said, get Gary Trent Jr. Yeah, look. I've seen Raptors fans laughing at this deal on social media. I understand. But THT, Kendrick Nunn, a first-round pick for Gary Trent Jr. There's rumors that were originating. Uh, we saw Sean Devaney of Heavy.com, Michael Scotto of Hoopsite that kind of got into this. Um, essentially, saying that Gary Trent Jr. is going to want maybe more money than the Raptors want to pay. And if that's the case, it makes some sense for them to try to trade him right now. And the Raptors have tried to trade for Taylor Horton Tucker two seasons in a row now. They wanted THT as the centerpiece of a Kyle Lowry trade. And then this past season, they were going to get THT in the deal that was going to send Cam Reddish from the Knicks to the list. So that's two seasons in a row now. Clearly, the Raptors see something in Taylor Horton Tucker. And if I'm the Lakers and Gary Trent Jr., who's what, 23, 24, maybe? Still young, 
So if you're trading THT, who's 21, it's not like you're getting a guy who's 31. You're getting a guy who can be part of your future, who can defend on the wing, who can shoot the three, who's been a Laker killer in the past, whether it was with Portland or Toronto. If you can do that, if that deal is there, I'm doing that. I'm going to try to negotiate pick protections in, certainly. But I think that deal makes a lot of sense for the Lakers to do, to go get somebody like Gary Trent, if that's really on the table, if that's really out there. Um, That's the kind of move that you'd look at and say, okay, all right, this is going to help the Lakers out quite a bit on both ends of the floor. And this is really what you need. You need guys who can play on both sides of the ball, guys who can defend and guys who can shoot. Um, So I think both of those things are going to be important and Gary Trent Jr. would provide those. So yeah, if you can get that done, I would do it. I'd be on board. I'd be on board with that. All right, let's talk a little bit about Russell Westbrook. So I put this out there on on Twitter today. And I said, what is the best case scenario for Russell Westbrook? Because here's the thing. We look at Russ and part of our frustration with him, part of Lakers fans' frustration with him, it's not Russ. Don't get me wrong. There's a lot of frustration with Russ. The exit interview, the play on the floor, right? All this stuff. Some of it, though, is his contract. That's not Russ's fault. Someone offered him a max contract. Somebody comes along and offers you hundreds of millions of dollars. You're not going to say no. That's not his fault. The Lakers made the choice to bring in his contract, and that now inhibits your roster building. Let's face it. Look, the best case scenario for Russ next season to me is that he adopts the mindset of a high usage role player high level role player a guy who can come in and do the kind of things that you need him to do with or without the ball that, and that's a big leap that's a big leap because we know russ is a guy who needs the ball but darvin ham's talking about trying to get him going on the defensive end i'm skeptical about all of this by the way i'm skeptical that russ can work next season offense or defense Darvin Ham or not. Why? Because we got a lot of proof last season that it doesn't work. We got a lot of proof that it doesn't. So until I see that it does, until I see that Darvin Ham has cracked the code and figured out a way to make this work, I'm going to be skeptical because we've seen physical evidence on the court that it's not going to work. That said, if the best case scenario is Russell Westbrook as a high level role player, let's say. He buys in to being an off-ball cutter, and he really commits to that. And let's say he buys in defensively to doing the things that he needs to do. The problem is now you've got one high-level role player for $47 million. For a roster build, that's a problem. Because you need, on a championship team, you need three to five high-level role players for that amount of money. That's what you have to get to build out a roster in today's NBA. But again, contract is, forget about the contract is what it is. Contract aside, if Russell Westbrook is back, which again, I still do not think is a lock, but if he is back, the best thing I think that you're going to get from him on the floor is him being a high-level role player. I'm not going to anticipate superstar Russell Westbrook showing up, but if Darvin Ham can get through to him, if Russ can accept doing what it takes for the team to win, which, look, he made some efforts last season. Let's not pretend like he just refused to do everything. There were some points of contention. But if you can get Russ to somehow click with LeBron and AD, most likely the best you're getting out of him is high-level role player. That's going to be your best path on the court. So I think it's important when we look at Russell Westbrook because the contract is what the contract is. There's no changing that. It's not the NFL. You're not going to renegotiate the deal. Can't do that. So the contract is what the contract is. What you have to figure out, though, is what is going to be the best case scenario for Russ next season, and how do we get that? How do we get to that? Because the problem is, if we define success for Russell Westbrook as he needs to be a superstar, well, most likely... People are just going to be frustrated with Russ and they're not going to be willing to accept success even if that's really what we're seeing because the bar is going to be set too high and what we are 
requiring, because of the contract, to be success, what we're defining success as, I don't think is achievable for Russell Westbrook on this roster. So I think it's going to take with Russ an understanding that the contract is what it is and what the player can give you and what a successful season from him will look like is still not going to be something that's going to live up to the contract. So I'm going to be watching to see. And once again, I am skeptical. I'm not saying this is going to happen, but the way the lens I'm going to try to view Russ through this season, if again, he's on the roster is one where I'm going to look at what is the best case scenario for getting about the contract? What is the best case scenario for this team, this season, the finances of it aside, don't worry about that. And if you forget about the contract piece, that's where I think we can have a little bit more tolerance or understanding for Russell Westbrook and perhaps a different definition of what success is or a different understanding of what success would look like for him. I think that's going to be important for the mindset of fans because here's the thing. If fans go into next season expecting superstar Russell Westbrook, you're not getting that. You're not. So you are setting yourself up to be angry with Russ next season. I want to be open to the possibility, again, not expecting it, but I want to be open to the possibility that Darvin Ham figures out a way to make it work and does get a bought-in and high-level role-player version of Russell Westbrook. And to be able to speak positively of that, because if the bar is set at superstar, if that's where things are set at, there is going to be no happiness with him. Now, I'll also say the danger for the Lakers, if you don't trade Russell Westbrook, what if you get the same guy next season? If you get the same guy, if Darvin, if changing the coach doesn't do anything, if you still get a Russell Westbrook who's getting backdoor cut left and right, who's not paying attention off the ball, who's not putting forth the requisite effort on the defensive end of the floor, who's got, who's committing silly turnovers, who's taking 20-foot jumpers with 18 seconds left on the shot clock, who's doing all these kinds of things, missing opportunities at the rim, all of that. And again, that's a laundry list of negative things. There's positives that go with Russ as well. But if all of those things are still happening, if we just get a copy and paste of last season, from the get-go, you're going to have a very angry Lakers fan base. They're going to be very frustrated. They're going to be very upset. So that, I think, is part of the equation that the Lakers have to evaluate when they're figuring out what they want to do with Russell Westbrook and if they do need to move on from him. I'm saying if they don't, we need to redefine what success is and what it's going to look like because otherwise, a successful Russell Westbrook situation, season, it won't be, it won't be recognized. It won't be acknowledged. It'll just be more anger towards him. And I don't think that's going to be good for anybody involved. For anybody involved, if we don't change our understanding of what success is going to look like for us. All right, I've got a super chat here we need to get to. Uh, maybe a cult oh, said, thoughts on Cody Martin, great underrated defender with offensive upside on the taxpayer mid level. Love the show, Trevor. You're the goat. Oh, well, thank you. I certainly appreciate that. Um, so, Cody Martin, taxpayer mid level. Sure. Look, I would love to get him cheaper than that. But if you if it's the taxpayer mid level and that's what it's got to be, Again, the wing market, very, very thin. And if you think that he's a fit there, okay. All right, sure. You could talk me into, into that. Um, again, fits skill set-wise what the Lakers would be looking for. So I, I think that's a good call. Again, it's a very thin wing market. There's not a lot of guys out there. It's going to be a lot of competition for these guys. But I wouldn't mind going after a guy like Cody Martin. That's just fine. All right, let's see what else we've got coming in here. I've got a lot of people obviously responding to Russell Westbrook talk here. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. 
All right. Eric says, no worries. If it looks like Boston is starting a dynasty, we can send them Rob Palenka to trade away their, their team. So, hey, so if Boston is going to start a dynasty, just somehow get Rob Palenka to take over for Brad Stevens and he'll trade everybody away. I don't think that's exactly going to happen. Um, and I don't know if I want to say the Celtics are starting a dynasty just yet. Here's the thing. So when we look at the NBA, we look at super, and by the way, Eric, thank you for the, for the uh, super chat. When we look at the NBA, you look at the way that teams historically have done. There's times where we look at a young team and they come up just short of winning a championship. Again, hopefully that's the outcome tomorrow night that the young Celtics do not win a championship. And I like the players on the Celtics, but they're wearing green. Can't support them. Um, the window isn't always as open as it seems. And the Oklahoma City Thunder are a great example of that. We thought, what was it? 2013, I think it was. OKC, they make the finals. It, it looked like they were going to win. They were up, what, 2-0. They wind up losing. Everybody says, it's okay. They'll be back. They'll be back. All these young players, Kevin Durant, Russell Westbrook, James Hart, Serge Ibaka, they'll be back. They'll be back. No worries. They'll have plenty of opportunities. Never made it back. So I hesitate to say that a team is setting up a dynasty because that's really hard to do. Even if a team is stocked with a young talent, that doesn't mean they're a dynasty in the making. It's a good position to be in, but actually becoming a dynasty is really, really difficult to do. Now, I also, though, want to go in a different direction with this because you mentioned sending a Lakers front office person to a particular team and that team then being willing to trade pieces away. It sounds ridiculous, but it's not that far-fetched, right? Like relationships matter in the NBA. Do we really think it's coincidence that Kevin Garnett got traded from the Minnesota Timberwolves to the Boston Celtics when it was Kevin McHale running the Wolves? Is that really coincidence that that happened? Initially, KG wouldn't accept the trade to the Celtics. Rumor, the legend goes that Kobe Bryant missed a phone call from Kevin Garnett that would have ultimately landed KG with the Lakers, but the Celtics deal got pushed through and Kobe's missed phone call prevented that deal from happening with, uh, with Kevin Garnett and the Lakers. But in any event, those relationships matter. Those relationships matter. And certainly Kevin McHale would have rather sent Kevin Garnett to the Celtics, his old club, than to the hated Lakers. Why does this matter for the Lakers? Guess who's the GM of the Charlotte Hornets? It's our old friend, our old pal, Mitch Kupchak. And the Hornets just so happened to have, you know, kind of put out there. Eric Pincus had this the other day that the Hornets, now that they've hired Kenny Atkinson as their coach, they might just kind of hang on to Gordon Hayward. That makes no sense, right? Like if you look, if you do anything more than just peruse that at the surface level, you go, that makes no sense, right? That's, that's nonsense right there. Gordon Hayward, aging player, Kenny Atkinson, player development guy. Those two, those two things are opposites. They're not connected. Now you could say new coach coming in. Maybe you want veteran leadership on the team to help make sure the transition smooth. Look, there's, there's arguments you can make, but I think what this is more is teams that are discussing Gordon Hayward trades, because let's face it, we know the Hornets would like to clear some salary. The Lakers can help accommodate that with Russell Westbrook's expiring contract, but teams looking to acquire Gordon Hayward. The Hornets are trying to put out there, hey, we're not desperate to move him, just like the Lakers have been doing. They've been putting out there that they're planning on keeping Russ. Oh, no, we're definitely not trading him. No, 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 no. Darvin Ham, he's going to fix everything. Yes, let's go. Russ is going to fit now because Darvin Ham is going to change everything, and somehow it's going to work. Do other teams buy it? Not necessarily, but it's still what you have to put out there. And ultimately, if the Hornets do decide they're going to trade Gordon Hayward or they're going to try to get salary relief, future salary, so they can pay some of their future, some of the other guys that are come up, going to come up on contracts like LaMelo Ball, wouldn't it make sense for Mitch to get in touch with the people he already knows? 
maybe there's a little bit of bad blood there. I don't know. I'm not saying there is, but it's possible after he was dismissed from the Lakers, along with Jim Buss back in the day. But relationships matter. So when I'm looking at the early, the trades we heard about a few weeks ago, months ago now, Russell Westbrook, either to the Pacers or to the Hornets, there's already that built-in connection to the Hornets general manager. These kinds of things can indeed matter in the NBA. And it's just something, I'm not saying a deal is going to get done, but I'm saying, don't forget about this. Don't forget about that. Let it just kind of sit there in your brain and marinate a little bit because it might matter in the next few weeks. The fact that the Lakers already have a connection to the GM of the Hornets could end up being a factor. Uh, Super Chat, Ricardo said, can the Lakers build a culture like the Warriors or Celtics? Seems like that's what it takes to win these days. Does Lakers culture equal, equal LeBron, too dependent on him? Can they? Yes. And I believe that Darvin Ham is part of that push. They tried to do the same thing with Luke Walton. Remember, that was, it's maybe even a little bit unsettling how similar the conversation has been bet- between the Lakers bringing in Darvin Ham and what the conversation was when the Lakers brought in Luke Walton. Now, very different coaches, different men, no question. But the idea with bringing on Luke Walton is this guy is just, a, he's a leader of men. This is a guy that players are going to want to follow. He's a great players coach. This is going to be great. And he's going to be our head coach for a long, long time. Okay. Didn't work. I mean, look, this kind of stuff doesn't usually work out. But I think this could indeed be the goal for Darvin Ham. And I think the four-year contract speaks to that. Now, first of all, I don't think the Lakers were getting Darvin Ham if they didn't offer a four-year contract. But nevertheless, a four-year deal when they wouldn't do a four-year deal for Ty Lue, when they wouldn't do... Frank Vogel wins a championship and they would only give him a one-year contract extension. Tells you the Lakers see something in Darvin Ham. And four years also tells you they would like to keep him. They would like to keep him and they would like him to be the guy to lead the next iteration of this team, the post-LeBron Lakers, Darvin Ham in the mix there. And he's already, we've talked about this a lot, Matt, Matt the Optimus Peralta has talked about how many brick walls he wants to run through for Darvin Ham. If he's the kind of guy that can inspire that out of a team consistently, then he's absolutely the guy that can start to build that kind of a culture so that whenever LeBron sails off into the sunset, maybe it's 2023, Maybe it's 2024. Maybe it's 2028. Who knows how much longer he's going to play or how much longer he's going to stay in LA. We know there's at least one more season on his contract right now. Whenever we get to the post-LeBron era, it wouldn't shock me at all to see the Lakers shift to a more sustainable long-term salary uh, strategy. I think that they went with this short-term route in part because I think that's part of their DNA, but also because you've got LeBron James telling you, I want to come play for your team. And you just don't say no to that. And if you get LeBron James, there's certain expectations that come along with that, that you're going to do certain things in order to put a team around him to win right now, that you're not going to worry too much about building for the future. But after we get into the post LeBron era, I do think that we're entering a new, I don't want to use the word era too much, but era of the NBA. And I think, and I've talked about this before, the Lakers inadvertently started it. The Lakers started it. In 2020, when they won a championship with two stars, a ton of depth, and guys who just fit. Guys who just fit what they needed to do. Three and D role players, guys who were making plays all over the place to maximize their stars. You've got Alex Caruso, Danny Green, Avery Bradley for a while, KCP, all these guys, Markeith Morris came in, Dwight Howard, JaVale McGee, on and on, doing all the dirty work, everything that needed to be done so that the stars could shine and do the heavy lifting they needed to while having the support necessary. That is the new model for success in the NBA. I think the Boston Celtics are using that model. You could argue the Warriors, the way that they've built out their roster for sustainability. Now, yes, they have more than two stars depending on how you see you know, this version of Clay and Draymond and all that. So you, you might say they're a little bit different model, but I do think the two stars and tons of depth model is becoming the norm in the NBA or be, going to become the goal. And the Lakers went away from that, despite inadvertently being the team to kind of break through with that particular style of team. 
can the Lakers develop that after LeBron? Yes. Currently, does the Lakers culture equal LeBron? To a degree, yes. Because let's face it, again, you get LeBron, you're expected to do certain things. And those things, historically, it's paid off. There will become a point where that's no longer true, where the juice is no longer worth the squeeze. Historically, though, if you get LeBron and you do the kind of things you need to do to put pieces around LeBron, you win. You win. That has historically been true, but that will not always be true. That was true for a while of Russell Westbrook. That was true that if you had Russell Westbrook and you put the right pieces around him and you played his brand of basketball, you were going to win more games than you were going to lose. Were you going to be a title team? Eh, Probably not, but you were going to win and you were going to be relevant and you were going to have an exciting player and that player was going to put up big numbers and you were going to win more than you lost. We've hit the point where that's no longer true. The juice is no longer worth the squeeze. Getting the best version of Russell Westbrook, elevating Russ to be the star is no longer worth all the stuff you have to do because it doesn't result in wins anymore. That will also be true of LeBron at some point. That's father time. At some point. Might not be next year. Might not be five years from now. Who knows? But there will be a post-LeBron era. And I do think the Lakers can transition into that kind of era. And if we're talking about playing the long game and we talk about will LA fans accept that? Look, I understand there's impatience among Laker fans. They've set a very high bar. 17 championships does that. People expect the Lakers to be great each and every year. But to assume that Lakers fans or that any fan base would not understand a team taking a long-term view and building that way That's insulting to the fan base. That's insulting to the intelligence of sports fans to say that they would not accept building for the long term, even if it meant going through some bumps in the road in the meantime. I don't think that's true at all. I think Lakers fans understand what's going on. I think Lakers fans, if the Lakers were to build around some young players, Even if those young players might take some time to develop, I think Lakers fans would be understanding of that. I think Lakers fans would see the big picture, would see the long-term goal, as long as you're making progress towards that goal. What Lakers fans don't want to see is stagnation. So I think that very much could be on the table for the Lakers post-LeBron, building out a more sustainable, long-term success strategy. Or who knows, maybe LeBron leaves and they just go star hunting again and they worry about TV ratings and putting butts in seats and and all that sort of stuff. And and we're right back here. Maybe, maybe. But I think we're entering a different era of the NBA, one that requires sustainability and a deep team. The Lakers don't have that right now. We'll see what Rob Palenka and co can do this offseason. All right, let's do one more, one more question. Holy moly, I I rambled for a while there. I ranted a bit there, and I missed a lot of questions that that came through. Uh, somebody asked, "Is AD shooting yet?" Yeah, he's actually working out with um, Lethal Shooter, so he is shooting now. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Okay, so here's something interesting. Check it out. Said, how can I explain it in business terms? The number one problem with the Lakers is bad contracts. Trade AD and LeBron for draft picks, rebuild like Boston. So you're talking about a massive nuclear option here. Burn it all to the ground. I've said a few times, I've used the term burn it down. Last season was terrible. Burn this thing down and re- and." Let's fix it for next season. 
I'm not, and I understand some people take that to mean trade LeBron, trade AD. I'm talking about you move, you move Russ, you move any of the other guys that weren't fitting, and you start fresh building around LeBron and AD. You go back to LeBron and AD as the foundation. This is what we're building around. Let's go from here. That's the way I've been approaching a complete teardown. If we're saying number one problem with Lakers is bad contracts, trade AD and LeBron for draft picks, rebuild like Boston, we're saying trade these guys away right now and just start tanking. I don't think they're at that stage yet. To toss in the towel right now, well, on a value perspective, you could say, well, maybe the Lakers can get a lot to jumpstart a rebuild if you trade LeBron, if you trade AD. Sure. But you also have to remember what message that sends. See, the Lakers have been this team where once they get that star, they're very purposeful about making sure it's known that they will take care of that player. And that helps attract future stars. Like you look at the contract they gave Kobe after tearing his Achilles. What did that do to help attract LeBron James? Right there. I mean, they got shredded for giving Kobe the deal that he did. Was it 48 million? We're giving him that contract, just torn to pieces. And yet it sent the message. We take care of our stars. By trading LeBron and AD right now, if they didn't ask for a trade, wouldn't be a good look. Now, I've been saying this for a while. If AD and LeBron go to the Lakers and they say, please trade us. If LeBron says, hey, I'm going to be a free agent in 2023. I don't like the way this is going. Please trade me. Otherwise, I'm going to be leaving next offseason. Let's try to work out a deal. I have no problem with that. I have no problem with that whatsoever. I know there's a lot of fans right now in the NBA, uh, NBA fans who don't like players asking out. And I understand there's er there's points where it gets messy and gross. And I mean, we get into like Ben Simmons where he's got like four years left on his contract and he's demanding out and, you know, do contracts even matter? You can go too far. But if a player has one year under contract and they give the incumbent team a heads up that they're on their way out, thank you. Thank you. I th I've contended for a while that Pelicans fans, if anything, should be thanking Anthony Davis for letting the franchise know, hey, I'm not going to stay when I hit free agency. You guys should trade me and get something for me. Now, again, there's a lot of emotion mixed up in there. So I understand why there's frustration with them and why they still hate the Lakers and, and all that kind of stuff because Anthony Davis is on the team. And why, as gross as it is, some of them celebrated when Anthony Davis got hurt. That was disgusting. But that's what happened. Still, if you are in this kind of a situation where you are the Los Angeles Lakers and somebody comes to you, or you're any team really, and a, a player comes to you and says, I'm going to be leaving. Well, your worst case scenario is that player leaves when they're a free agent. Then you get nothing. Then you get nothing. If they come to you early and say, look, Let's work together and let's figure this out. And I, I, that way you're not going to be left high and dry. No problem. If LeBron and AD did that, yeah, you put them on the market. But then you're working together with them. When we're talking about just trade these guys, that's the Lakers making a unilateral move that just doesn't vibe with what kind of a presence they've had or what type of a image they've cultivated in terms of how they treat their stars. How that, what they've done for decades. So I don't see that happening for those reasons. But again, if those players came to the Lakers and said, we would like to be traded, different situation. Then I, I'm more than okay with it. And okay, jumpstart the rebuild, get future assets, off you go. That's fine. That's fine. You're going to be getting to that stage soon-ish. If not 2023, maybe 2024 or 2025. We'll see what happens between now and then. You're going to get to a point where it's going to be Anthony Davis, maybe, right? Depending on what happens and cap space. And that's what you're going to have. And you're either going to land another star who's going to come via free agency or you're not. And if you don't, that's where maybe you're looking to build through the draft, build that sustainable team, add pieces as you can and go from there. It's going to be interesting. The bottom line is, the Lakers, they're in flux this season. But I don't even know how much longer this version of the Lakers will exist. The LeBron Lakers, at least one more year. I've been saying it's going to be two tops. I think LeBron leaves in 2024. So within the next few years, I think we're going to see the Lakers either identify another star that they can get 
and then try to add pieces around that, particularly when they get a little bit of cap room to kind of reset the deck and go from there. Or, or they're going to be put in a spot where they don't get that star. You look to move on potentially from Anthony Davis and truly reset things and try to build from the ground up once again. I don't think that's their ideal scenario, though. I think they would like to stay in the light for as long as they can. All right, everybody. I appreciate you guys joining me tonight. Thanks for all of your questions and comments. Again, coming in live from YouTube, from Facebook, from Twitter. As always, enjoy talking Lakers basketball with you. Tomorrow, we'll do a Lakers Nation Twitter spaces. Uh, We'll do that one. Oh, let's say we'll do that one about 10 a.m. Pacific time. Hopefully that works for everybody. We'll do. Switch that. We'll do 11 a.m. Pacific time. We'll do a Twitter spaces. Got a meeting then. We'll do an 11 a.m. Pacific time Twitter spaces. I'll bring on as much of the LN crew as I can. So we'll be there taking your questions and comments over on Twitter spaces. We'll do it 11 o'clock Pacific time tomorrow. Um, And then, of course, we will have game six. It'll be on playback. Tomorrow night, we'll be doing our live play-by-play of Game 6 of the NBA Finals on the NBA Front Office Playback uh, channel. We'll be broadcasting our own stream of the game. You can come join us. I'll be on there. Sean will be on there. We'll be talking basketball with everybody. Uh, You can find that in the description of the latest video that I published to the NBA Front Office YouTube channel. I'll put it out on social media uh, tomorrow as well. And then Friday, we will have fun Friday, 2 o'clock Pacific time. We'll have our live show. And who knows, by then, we could have a new NBA champion. And we could have all kinds of news breaking. So fun Friday could be truly fun if uh, the finals do end, because I think things are going to really heat up right after that. Till then, though, everybody, once again, appreciate you for joining me tonight. Don't forget to go give us that five-star rating and review over on Apple Podcasts. See you and stay safe. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.